Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today, I'll be interviewing Eric Nerlich. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll receive alerts when new episodes are available on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. How has your mindset evolved from young adulthood until this present moment? That's a great question. Uh, It's evolved in a few ways. I mean, the things I did as a young adult were all about getting ahead. It's like, how do I get promoted? How do I get the next job? It was always very future focused. And as I've grown older and become a parent and Uh, I've realized that has some advantages in terms of being future focused, but it has some disadvantages of never actually being present to what's in my life right now, what never actually taking time to enjoy and be happy and celebrate what's happening right now. And so I would say that's probably the biggest uh, shift in my mindset is going from really being future focused to being more present to what my life is at the moment. Why is it so important to, be in the present moment and to extract from it? Um, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, one th- for one, it's, especially for somebody like me that used to be future focused, I would spend a lot of time thinking about what could go wrong. And that meant that, as I like to say it, that I would like pre-play the things that could go wrong many, many times. And that just led to a lot of misery for me. Um, Instead of like, if I can just trust that I'll be able to handle what comes up, then if it happens, I experience it and I'm done with it in the present moment rather than um, continue to either pre-play it or replay it. Like if it's happened in the past, I keep beating myself up about it. That's also not great. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, this is one of those long spiritual traditions of pretty much everything is like appreciate the present moment it's whether you talk about buddhism or christianity or or any of these spiritual traditions they talk about being present being mindful and took me a long time several decades to figure that out but uh, eventually got here have you discovered why you were pre uh, pre-playing the negative aspects <clears throat> well I, it was an attempt to keep myself safe um I thought that if I could pre-play and pre-play every possible outcome, I could plan for it, I could find a way around it, it would keep me safe to do that. And that's true sometimes. There are times when it helps to think through what could go wrong and make a plan for it. Um, I think because of the my own personality, I took it to an extreme where I was like pre-playing even like very you know, unpro- improbable outcomes, very low probability outcomes. So. of the time they wouldn't happen, but I'm still like playing them out. Like, what are we going to do if this happens? What are we going to do if that happens? And that, uh, again, leads to a lot of wasted thinking, wasted effort, wasted planning when I would have been better off just like taking the leap and trying something. It really kept me from trying new things for a lot of my life. What was the catalyst that caused you to change that mindset? Because that mindset wasn't producing what you really wanted, what was there something happened or uh, was it just the journey itself? But I know some things had to happen to um, 
help you or encourage you to seek something different? Yeah, I, I, there were kind of two big moments, I would say. One was uh, I burned out pretty badly while I was uh, in one of my jobs when I was working at Google. And part of the reason I burned out there was I had this idea that I had to get promoted. I was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get promoted. So my manager was piling all this work on me. I was trying to get promoted. And this kept on going because I didn't know how to say no. And it got worse and worse to the point where I was working 8 a.m. to midnight most days. I was sometimes taking a Saturday afternoon off. Um, and it had a cost. It had a cost to myself, my body, my family, my friends. And eventually that cost kept on building up to the point where I burned out and um, woke up on Christmas morning with 103 degree fever. And I was in sick in bed for a week. And that really sucked because I'd spent several weeks before that looking forward to this time off I was going to get, the time I was going to spend with family. And instead of getting to do that, I was sick. And maybe question like, why am I working so hard for this promotion? What do I really want here? And that was the first time I kind of moved out of that future focus of what's next to what do I want? What's, what's going to make sense for me right now in this present moment? And I just realized for the first time I could make a choice. I could decide that the future I was aiming forward was not the one I wanted based on how I felt. And I went back to my manager after Christmas and I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not working that hard. And instead, and they, they, they were very confused. They're like, but do you really want this promotion? I'm like, actually, no, I'm good. I don't need the promotion. And they said, well, if you can't handle the work, I'm going to give the work to somebody that can. I'm like, okay. And you're not getting that promotion. I'm like, I understand. And so they took away half my team and they slashed my performance rating. I didn't get that promotion. And the weird thing was that after I kind of processed my emotions around those consequences, I felt free. I felt energized because I had finally chosen what I knew. I finally had realized that, that was not what the future I wanted. I'd sacrificed my friends, my family, myself to try to get that promotion and it wasn't feeling right. And I had ignored those feelings because I'd been so focused on getting that future. And when I actually paid attention to where I was in the present, I was like, oh no, that's not what I wanted after all. And so that was the big shift for me was going for that future focus to, of I have to get what's next to what do I actually want in this moment? Let me pay attention to myself in the present moment. So you actually placed the burden on yourself like so many people do. It was an inside burden that was placed on you. It's like the Michael McDonald uh, song I heard some years ago, uh, The Enemy Within. Absolutely. Yeah, The Enemy Within is a good way to put it. I had these rules in my head that I was holding myself to that I had to get that promotion no matter what. I had to do whatever my manager said. They were just absolute rules like that I couldn't question until my body collapsed. And I finally said, wait, what if I changed that rule? And the rule I changed it to was I have to do whatever my manager says unless I accept the consequences. I was like, oh, if I'm willing to accept the consequences, I can make a different choice. 
And that was such a profound, <laughs> profound realization for me, even though it seems so obvious now, because I had never questioned before. I was like, no, this is just the way it is. This is the way the world works. This is what I have to do. So yeah, the enemy was within. I always was blaming my manager. I was blaming everybody else. But in the end, there was only myself to, to uh, that was, I was, the I was the person keeping myself in that cage of being stuck. I was the one with the rules. And that leads us into this next question I thought about, because you published a book, your first book, you have a choice beyond hard work to meaningful impact. Was that birthed out of that experience? Absolutely. Yes, it was. It's um, that moment when I realized I did have a choice because I had felt stuck. I had felt uh, that I didn't have a choice. I felt there was nothing I could do except keep going the way I was until I looked at the rules in my own head and said, wait, I can make a different, I could change the rules. I can make a different choice. And that was the first time I tried that. And that was the first time I realized it. And that had a profound impact. In the 10 years since then, I've done more than I ever thought possible. Um, I'd been single my whole life and now I'm married, happily married with two kids. I did physical and athletic feats that I never imagined possible. I got in the best shape of my life after I turned 40. And I left my corporate Google job to become an executive coach, helping other people realize the ways in which they're holding themselves back, the ways in which they are their own enemies within, as you put it. And I wrote the book to share what I've learned in my own personal development and what has worked for my many executive clients as a coach with a wider audience. I want to share what's been working to help people confront their own enemy within, to find these rules, debug them, and find the rules that will help them be the person they want to be, not just the person they thought they had to be based on what society or their parents or their friends are telling them. Where did your rules come from that you govern yourself by? Because often in childhood, when we see possibly parents or loved ones or whoever that's been placed high in our mind that we should emulate to some degree, we gain certain things from them, even unaware sometimes. Where do you think your rules came from? Oh, they definitely came from my childhood. I mean, I don't know how deep we want to go down the therapy route, but uh, yeah, my mom, <laughs> my mom had a very rigid idea of who I was going to be. And she raised me to be a high achiever. She always told me to keep reaching for more, which is great. It was, I mean, it was a very valuable mindset to uh, try to keep reaching for more. Like, oh, how can I do more? What? Let me try to reach more of my potential. Let me try to get, yeah, let me try keep reaching for the next thing and, and do more. That's a great attitude in some ways. It's very, uh, it was very valuable to me. It helped me reach a lot of success, both in school and then later in my career. And it had a cost <laughs> and it eventually led to the burnout. And it, there was a lot of, uh, uh, let's say, dissatisfaction along the way. I was never happy with where I was. I was always looking for what's next. And again, that's a choice also. Like I could, I eventually realized like I'd rather trade a little bit of that future success for a little bit of happiness in the present moment. Sure. And you said you were pretty much single your whole life. Was that because you were just so gung-ho about achieving the future and 
you know, doing those things? It was partially that. It was partially I just didn't know how to relate to people. <laughs> oh. it's, uh, I was not very good at dating. I um, I wasn't the most social of people. And um, I just put a lot of pressure on myself. I, I, I like to joke that when I was when I was dating as a young adult and even into my 20s and 30s, I uh, would sit down in a first date and look at the person across from me like, is this the person that's going to be my life partner, the love of my life, the person I'm going to live to the gold age with, you know, future focus, right? How do I make sure this is going to be the future I want? And that turned out to be a lot of pressure. It made it really hard to, to actually be myself on that first date and relax. And, you know, after some of these realizations, I eventually realized, no, I don't need to figure that out on the first date. The only thing I have to figure out is like, do I enjoy this person's company enough to go on a second date? That's all I have to know. Do I want a second date? <laughs> And that turned out to be a much more successful approach to, date, to dating. Unfortunately, I didn't figure that out until I was like 40. But, you know, that's that's what happens. We get there when we get there. Yeah. And did that just change everything for you when you because that's something big. You you first you were thinking, OK, is this person the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with? And then you took a step that way back and you said, um, do I like this person enough to see them again and go on a second date yeah it just it made the experience far less stressful for me which meant i could be more of myself which meant that the other the the, the woman and the women that i was dating saw a different version of me that was more like <laughs> the person that i am um i could kind of be myself in that moment and um yeah so it changed everything it made me more attractive in some sense because i wasn't super tense and stressed out in, in the date. <laughs> and once I got that, then like people wanted to spend time with me. And then eventually I found somebody I wanted to spend time with. And here we are several years later. And you, you said your mother kind of trained you to be a high achiever. What was your father's role when you were growing up? Um, my father's role was to go to work, make money for the family, and, and that's about it. You know, it's a very kind of traditional 50s split of the responsibilities. My dad worked. My mom stayed home with the kids. Um, and at the same time, like my mom had been a research biochemist before she had kids. So she'd been on this high-achieving academic track herself, um, but then gave it up to focus on the kids because that's just what people did back when I was growing up. And... As part of that, she kind of, you know, uh, placed her own hopes and dreams into her kids. She's like, I didn't achieve what I wanted, but I'm going to make sure my kids achieve what they want. So that kind of led to that success mindset and that achievement mindset that we talked about. And looking back now, what was your father's biggest influence in your life? Just looking back now. <sighs> Um, this is a really tough question. Um, so at some point during this, the, my, my struggles with dating, I finally went into therapy. And the, my first session with my a therapist, I'm like, my mom, this, my mom, this, my mom, this, she did this to me, she did that to me, you know, the, the, the classic, the classic <laughs> therapy session. And at the end of the session, my uh, the therapist asked the same question, like, what about my dad? And I said, well, my dad really wasn't there. He wasn't around. He was just kind of you know, come home, eat dinner, watch TV. And he wasn't there. He wasn't present. 
And she was like, uh-huh. And that's your role model. Like, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> she was like, you're not present to your life. That's what you learned from your dad. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so and that was like a big breakthrough. That was not a breakthrough, but just realizing I'd been, even in my dating life, been trying so hard to be not present, like just a ghost, something they could project whatever they wanted to. And I wasn't putting any of myself into my dating, into showing up. And yeah, that, I hadn't realized that until my therapist told me. I was like, oh, that's what he showed me was, you know, to to check out from life, to do to not be present. So yeah, that's what I learned. Yeah. It's fascinating because he didn't tell you that verbally, but we learn more through observation. And that yes. was the imprinting, the observation that you had, because at first you didn't think that he had really a big influence. And then you look back and you say, oh, he did have a big influence. <laughs> yeah, I learned how to be, how to show up based on what I saw him do. Yeah. And yeah, that, would, that took me a while to unwind. <laughs> I'll yeah. say that. <laughs> True. Now you help people, you know, challenge their mindsets. Um, do you... And, you know, the mindset holds us back because you demonstrated that by sharing uh, your journey, parts of your journey, and it held mm -hmm. you back in certain uh, uh, ways. Can you share a success story of helping someone uh, change their mindset and challenge their mindset to become something different? Yeah. So, uh I, I like to say that my book is for people that, for whom working harder isn't working. And the reason I say that is when you find something that works for you, you do more of it. You know, like it brought you success. So like my achievement mindset brought me success. So I wanted to do more of it. And I did more and more and more of it until it burned me out. And a lot of my clients are leaders who have a similar mindset. I will work harder. I will solve all the problems. I will take it on myself. If it's important, I'm going to do it myself. And that's a great attitude, except when you become a leader and you're running a team of 30, 40, 50, 100 people, it becomes a terrible idea because you can't do the work of 100 people. And so with a lot of my clients, I have, to, I have to work with them to point out, like, the answer is not for you to do more. The answer is to build a team that can do more and to teach them and to coach them. And they're like, but then I'm not doing the work. It's like, no, you're doing different work. Your job is different. Your job is not to do the work. Your job is creating a team that does the work. And that's a big shift for a lot of these people because they, they, they'd never thought about it that way. They always thought like, what do I do? And it's like, no, what do we do? Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, we often get in this state of doing instead of being. Being is the present moment. Being, yeah. human beings. Uh, things... I believe things are so much simpler often, you know, if there's no abuse and what have you, when you were a kid being in that present moment, oftentimes in that creative space. Uh, and we lose that to some degree as we grow older and take on these different forms that we think we should be. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I have two young kids now. My kids are two and five, and it's a constant reminder. They, they don't care about any of this. They're just like, what, what, what do we, what do we want to play with right now? 
I want to do this. And it, it can be really, you know, it's when I can let myself be present with them, it's wonderful. And when I get into like, no, we have some place to go. We got to go here. We got to do this. We got to do that. Then they're like, daddy, why do we, why, why do we have to do all that? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so they, they teach me a lot. I'll just say that. Yeah. They help you stay in the present. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is your one to grow on? What valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience with? I would say it doesn't have to be this way. And what I mean by that is if you're feeling stuck, there is a way in which you are contributing to that stuckness. There's that enemy within, those rules you are having for yourself that are helping to keep you in the present situation. I, I tell people like every day you show up for work, you're making a choice. You don't have to go to work. There are consequences. You lose that job, you don't get paid as much money but it's still a choice. So when you're feeling stuck, I just want people to realize like, it doesn't have to be this way. And you can try a different choice. I tell my, I tell my clients all the time, let's try an experiment. Let's see what happens if instead of your normal way of responding here, you try something different. So with the example I gave before, like instead of you jumping in and solving the problem, what if you step back and see if somebody else can handle it? They're like, oh, what if they don't do it? I'm like, I don't know. Let's find out. Let's run the experiment. So that's what I offer to your audience. When you're feeling stuck, run an experiment, try something different, and see what changes. Because you may find out the whole world changes when you change. Thank you for listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflornoy.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.